you still need design because it's the thin layer that connects complexity and simplicity in technology. Like before you need to op you need to understand how to operate like this huge complicated computers. Now you basically have a computer in your pocket. You're listening to Wicked Thoughts, a podcast by Flair Castro. This show is dedicated to helping founders and professionals understand business trends, social media, digital lifestyle, and how to be a better entrepreneur. Let's start learning in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to Wicked Thoughts. I'm your host, Flair Castro, and with me is my co-host for the season, Miss Coney Barrientes Carey. Hi, Miss Coney. Hi, Connie. everyone. Hi, Miss Flair. And thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. So I would like um, to introduce to you, and we're very excited to have him today because he will be talking about design, tech enabling companies. And he like definitely the super legit entrepreneur, the kind of entrepreneur I look up to and respect because he only calls himself a team lead and not like, you know, founder or owner or um, nothing pretentious or anything like that. Despite the fact that he's the co-founder and um, owner of Abstract Digital, and he's worked with companies like um, the World Bank and 500 Startups. So please welcome Mr. Francis Alturas. Hi, Franz. Hi, Hi Francis. Hi, Flary. Thanks for having me here. Thank it's you for yeah. Thank you for yeah. joining us. We know you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> he has a he has a meeting in an hour, so let's proceed. So, but before we do that, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, of course, Thirty Media, our very own boutique social media and digital agency right here in Cebu, Aleph Talent Solutions, a consulting firm that helps you scale your business effectively and efficiently. We have Grow Libro, an invoicing platform for small businesses, Content Dash app an app to help you create social media calendars better and of course to our podcast partner the company our favorite co-working space here in Cebu now for our viewers and listeners of the show to get to know you more Mr. Francis Alturas I would like to ask if you could describe your brand either your personal or for your business in a few sentences what would it be mm. Actually, a pretty good question. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I think Goodbye. in a nutshell, <laughs> I think like in a nutshell, how people would view us, we would probably, I would probably describe us as something um, innovative, something disruptive. Like basically, um, we try to challenge the norms of doing things. Like um, I think that's one of the the baby steps before you get into innovation like a lot of the uh, organizations that i meet usually they're good at uh, optimizing things basically improving things that is already set in place yeah but what happens is they have this problem called the innovator's dilemma wherein they really fail to figure out um break like some breakthroughs or crazy uh, crazy breakthroughs within their um, how they operate or maybe uh, how they would build products around that. And that's, how, that's where we come in and help them with that. Yeah, and hopefully we will be talking more about that because I understand uh, what we're going to cover today is more on how you empower um, communities, right? And how 
mm-hmm. you use design, especially in you know the scope of technology, the scope of startups and businesses. So you wanna do you wanna share with us? How you're doing right now with Abstract Digital? Who are your like key clients? What do you do? What is the what does your day look like? All right. So I think it's uh, I think probably it's the same with everyone. Like it's completely awesome, but at the same time, it's also pretty worse. Speaking <laughs> <Like, laughs> of pandemic, yeah, like... <laughs> I mean, Did you say worse? Mean, <laughs> it's as good and as worse, like at the same time. Like at the same time, so it's a really Take hard. Take the good with the bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think everyone is just trying to to survive this, like this pandemic, and you know, um, I think the most important part is is that we're everyone's healthy. Uh, I'm healthy. We're healthy here. True. And yeah, one of the things that uh, we we struggle with is having this um, keeping this mental state yeah. despite the the harsh conditions that we are placed in and I think right. basically that's what intre- entrepreneurship is but it's amplified in a way that it is just not you um, everyone is affected because of the mm-hmm. pandemic including your team and the challenge then the challenge lies on how do you how do you make not necessarily make it easier, but how do you operate with the team uh, under these circumstances that we're in? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that's the current state of how everyone is working, like, generally. It's been a year. Um, I think a lot of people are having cabin It's, it's almost our anniversary home. on lockdown, I think, France. Like, when, when we were, when were we on lockdown? March 16th or 20th? And, uh, yeah right it's it's almost a year that's why like it's amazing how you guys are still like you know turning really creative stuff because i can imagine it's going to be hard because like how do you do that like it you rarely because it's always like they always have this notion that creative guys can never do anything process oriented how do you feel about that like you think that artists can never really fully run a business because you're not the most organized people there's that notion how do you feel about that hmm i I think (laughs) not generally like i would say um if being organized or being profit driven has something to do with being creative then maybe i'm not the most creative guy (laughs) i'm super uh, process oriented um (laughs) I really like setting up processes and for a good reason. And that that just simply allows you to scale on, on yeah, your business. That's true. Um, Which is rare. Because like typically it's your rare or rarity, France, to be honest. You don't normally meet that. Like a lot of creative guys are just like, okay, create, create, but the system, the process, the um, bottom line, that that all of them, those go out the window. So you're a rarity. So, like, how do you keep your creative juices flowing while panicking at the same time? Because as you said, <laughs> when I first met you, you're motivated, like, because, you know, bills are coming and you have to pay for them and, and with the pandemic and everything. How do you, like, segregate that? Like, okay, I will panic later, but I have to do my um, sprint now. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think one thing that we need to understand is the definition of creativity. Like people mm-hmm. uh, would generally define creativity as something that 
something innate, something you have already, like when you're born, yeah. you're, you're talented, you're artistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would actually um, disagree with that. I think creativity is basically having the confidence to try different things and not be concerned too much on what the outcomes would be, like failing. Mm. I think that's what creativity or creative confidence really is in general. But um, going back to your question, how do I keep a sane mind under all the different uh, conditions that we're in? How do I like stay creative? Mm-mm. I think one thing that you can always rely on is discipline. And th- there's these two things that people always talk about. Um, you love doing what you're doing because you're passionate about it. Yeah. But the problem with passion is that passion is fleeting. It is a feeling. And there will be days when you wake up and you're like, uh, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't Zero agree. Passion. Thank you for saying exactly. that, Franz. Like, I'm so glad you said that because very few people ever say that. And honestly, I think passion is over- overrated. So thank you so much for saying that. People are always like, I like hiring passionate people. It's all about passion. Like, I don't think people understand that your passion will not sustain your business. Exactly. And I think that's what they do, right? Tony, right? right Miss? Like when they but apply for positions, they say, I'm I'm passionate. passionate. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's like a default answer. I think, yeah, I think so. Thank God Francis said that, Miss, because like uh, at the end of the day, it's like uh, as you know, like both of you know, we have been in the business for a while. We have been entrepreneurs and we know the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. And there are times when we question ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's like being yeah. married. Like, what the heck did I marry this person? <laughs> but we're here. <laughs> so let's just keep going. So, like, I think people rarely ever mention that at at one point, it becomes a decision. You have to commit to what you're doing because passion will definitely not sustain it. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, passion is good. Um, it gives you, uh, it, it, it allows you to go for that extra mile. But at the same time, it's not that super defen- dependable because like what I said, it's a feeling. It's, um, it's fleeting. What I can rely on our habits and discipline, really. It's when you wake up and you feel like, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. But you know, um, I just, uh, there's a lot depending on me. Uh, a lot of things at stake. Um, you just can't just not do what you're supposed to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, you have to be disciplined. You have to. And one of the things to make it easier is to really have habits. Um, habits of being consistent. Like, all right, at this time, we do check-ins with everyone in the team. Um, right. At this time, this is like a block schedule I have for working. So I uh, keep my kid like downstairs so that he won't randomly come up and come <laughs> to the, to the <laughs> middle of a Zoom. And, yeah. And yeah, basically creating a schedule like helps on it uh, for those kind of things. Um, yeah. And I think one of the fundamental things too is to really trust. I think, I think trust is one of the most underrated things to consider. Because um, you can imagine like you're not seeing everyone and yet you're trusting everyone to deliver the work. It's Ooh, so different yeah. from being on site where you can yeah. actually see people like being there, doing the work. You know what time they, they time in, you see mm, them. Yeah. Mm. And 
suddenly that changed overnight. Like a lot of companies are having this challenge. Like, how, how do you, how do you know if people are working? How do you know if, how do you, how do the clients even know that you're, you're going <laughs> to deliver what you promised them? Like they, how did they, 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 they come to trust us? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think those are one of the things too that, um, that we had to consider and really, so, um, yeah. How did yeah. you transition your team from that? Like you had an office and then all these like crises happened. You had to encourage them to work from home, right? So how was your transition by then? How did you enable them? Um, in my experience, uh, when I was at Synth years back, generally we were on site, but there were times where we mm. were able to work remotely. So basically we, we operate on a hybrid setup um i think um i can uh, speaking for our company it was almost like a natural response it wasn't mm-hmm. really there was there, there wasn't a lot of friction mm-hmm. um and it's probably different for people in other industries who are used to working on site that's true because mm-hmm. i can imagine companies were struggling um, maybe and primarily the problem is that companies try to simulate the office remotely, mm. and working remotely requires just a it's it's a completely different mindset, and it's like learning an instrument wherein you kind of suck at it at first, but you can see now like a year later people are working remotely and somehow they get to understand how to work remotely. Um, I think one of the things we have to accept too is that there are trade-offs. Like with the pandemic going on, there isn't much of a choice really. And sure. like what I said, working remotely is a skill itself. Mm-hmm. And I think at the beginning, people see all the struggles, all the disadvantages. But over time, you start to understand like, oh, all right. So working remotely is basically giving people back the time, have giving them back control over their time and just not like pulling them all in these meetings all the time. And I think one of the things that helped too is that we actually have a documented like process of how we run things in the company. Um, mm. You can actually check it out uh, later on. Uh, it's uh, www.thepiratecode.xyz. So basically it is a documentation of like how we run things. Mm. And um yeah. Is that the? Uh, is that? Uh, did you create that by yourself, or like, is that something of a? Um, yeah, a global thing that you know startups are following, like an oh, SOP, I, I, or did you create not, that? Not really. Um, I I, I wrote it pirate out code, of, right? Yeah, the pirate code that X Y Z. Uh, I wrote it. Um, oh, when okay, we started the company, it. yeah, and yeah, playbook. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a playbook of how we operate. I think one of the yeah. important things as well for, that contributes to the smooth transition we have was that everybody knows what to do and we didn't go through this like long seminar so okay, this is how we do it, this is how we do it. Like everything is documented. It's in there. Uh, people can read it at their own time and then they have an idea of like how to collaborate effectively in a remote setting. So yeah, I think that's one of the things too. It's comprehensive. Like you I have actually, everything yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. You did like you know what I appreciate, Franz, is that you actually got it together where a lot of companies fail. 
what I've noticed working with startup is startups is that they don't understand the importance of documentation and the importance of process. And you have all of this um, for everyone to see, which is amazing because you rarely ever see that. Like you, you even have like companies that have been in existence for let's say four or five years and they don't have a process or proper documentation. And I don't think they understand the importance of documentation and you really got it. So this is awesome how you did it. And everybody can just see it. Yeah. It, yeah, it, 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 we, we, yeah, we primarily operate on like, uh, I think it's, uh, it's a principle of project management wherein it's much more efficient to actually have one single source of proof and mm -hmm. rather than have this all in different things and different tools, we just said, all right, let's just write everything. You know, so have everybody yeah. referred to that. <laughs> you, you even have the field notes, the design file structures, like, so it, it, it actually like makes it, makes it um, easy for anyone joining you as you call them shipmates. Cause I, I think one of the, not the worst, but the most time consuming thing um, that companies go through is onboarding and a lot exactly. a lot of companies yeah. yeah a lot of companies fail at onboarding miss and like mm -hmm. a typical yeah, sure. onboarding process takes about 180 days wow. so that's like months. <laughs> that's a lot of days <laughs> that's a lot of days so 180 days onboarding is practically probationary period can you imagine your onboarding is as long as the typical probationary period and I think this is genius because like most companies, like they have trainings that last one to two weeks and people still get confused. We are here like Francis is like, oh, here you go. Like, If you have questions, check the document. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mm. I'm ahead, curious. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Do you like do you share this to other companies too or like? This oh, is yeah, uh, totally. what you follow internally, and then you tell them, you know, don't share this to other people. <laughs> no, 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 no. This no. is something really helpful. I mean, this for is other really startups. Fans. Like, this is rude. Yeah. This is, like, seriously. Like, if now you I'm planning to do something like this, yes, for I marketing. think you should. Makes it, sense. You should. You really should. Because, like, <laughs> the marketing code. Yeah, it, and whoever marketing. your HR or admin person is, it's less <laughs> headache, to be honest. Yeah. It is less yeah. headache. You don't have to worry about getting sued at the Department of Labor or something like that because yeah. it's all there. Yeah. Um, going epic. back to it's your epic. question, Larry. Um, yes, uh, I actually share this to different agencies, um, like even design agencies who or people who want to start up their own agencies and they're just lost and like, hey, all right, I wrote something here. Check it out. Um, mm -hmm. You can copy it. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, we not we're not really in the business of like you know keeping trade secrets um trade it's uh it i don't believe like trade secrets lie really on mm. on the knowledge that we have in fact knowledge is not really innately ours it's some it's something borrowed that we also learned from something else and the best that we can do is to pass it on so that it gets improved and iterated by other people as well and that's just exactly why right. we share these things to other companies uh, so they can build on top of it. We even share how we do design sprints. We do workshops to other organizations as well. Um, even to like um, events for different um, meetups or yeah. schools. 
So yeah. This is really helpful for them. True. And I remember, Francis, if going back to when you mentioned events, right? Um, I remember I backtracked our messenger and I realized that I think the first time we I reached out to you or reach you reach out to me was because of it's either Startup Weekend or Geeks on a Beach. I'm not sure which. But you were involved. You were involved <laughs> in the community I, I, events. I, Do you remember? Yeah, I think- I think this was in 2013, Geeks on the Beach. Right? I remember. Because you were a partner. 13 Media was a partner. Yeah, so yeah, we were. Partner. Yeah. And actually, it was Miss Tins who made me like social media director for the whole Tech Talks. Yeah, yeah, like, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when Power you took up. over, I think you were doing the design. Did you help out with the design for Geeks on the Beach at the time? How were you involved? Yeah, initially. Oh, like, uh, yeah, I mean, initially... Uh, I designed the site, coded the site, and do right. some mm-hmm. incremental updates. I mean, of course, it's an event site, so whatever update that goes <laughs> in from Miss Leeds mm-hmm. and everyone else, I do the updates. And, you know, uh, on the actual event, that's the part where you try to run around. Uh, make sure <laughs> run around, fine. Yeah, same experience. <laughs> There's something that's needed in this room, so, all right, you need an extension, I'm going to go and run, get extension <laughs> get the lunch, get the t-shirts and all that. But I think yeah. that's way beyond what you're doing now. You founded your own company, Abstract Digital. What inspired you? I'm curious, what inspired you to create your own? Yeah, so um, I think, and I actually didn't expect this to be exactly like this, but I had an idea when I was a kid, like I was starting to double in graphic design work and I'm like, hmm. I think I want to create my own design studio. And it was so cheesy. Like, um, I would do logos and stuff. And eventually, web. And then I, you know, a fast forward a couple of years later, I actually started working for a tech company. And mm-hmm. that's when I realized that design has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And it's not just restricted on the print medium, but also in the digital space. And there's so much impactful work that we can do about it. And design, it's just not the thing that we see. It's basically how things work, how these processes um, affect one or another. That in that itself is already design. So that's eventually um, when I started freelancing, I got bored because I really missed being with teams, like um, working with other people. I was working alone for a year in my bedroom. And yeah, so I contacted George. Like, hey, uh, want to build a company with me? <laughs> you put him out the tech company. <laughs> so yeah, we, we built Abstract. Uh, when was that? 2000? I don't know. I can't remember Eight, <laughs> you don't remember when you found that. it? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a little bad with date. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, from there, with the time when you contacted George to co-found a design agency with you and up until now, I know you've grown so much, right? Like you mentioned um, you started accepting different work, like um, projects from different clients, but now it's like you're settled with a certain... Um, niche and that yeah. would be VCs so how how is it how's how is it working in that space because I'm really 
excited how to to understand how it works you know i mean not yeah. everyone in the tech community gets to work with vcs and here you are from cebu working with mm-hmm. venture capitalists come on that's that's yeah you too <laughs> yeah, you're so kind rare. <laughs> <laughs> no no really so can you share with us like make sure, yeah, sure how sure. do you do it of course yeah. so it, it was crazy because um when we started out i think we have no idea what we're doing Uh, we would accept any kind of work. I think the point was just to survive or feel like, oh, we're doing something here. We're doing something important. So, the difference is anything design-related. Like, uh, and, you know, eventually we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we make this scalable? We're burning too much cash. We're not going to last long. We keep doing this. But we got to figure out, like, who's our market? Like, who's our niche? And we tried to... Uh, like you know we analyze the data like okay here are our leads coming from this space here are our leads coming from this space uh, what are the pros and cons so like do we like working with these kind of people is it do we like enjoy um, mm, like th- is this soulless like is this something that would light <laughs> is it spark uh, fire joy? in our belly <laughs> yeah is it spark joy so, um, one of the things we realized I mean we've been in this kind of industry for so long and if we keep doing the same things that we've been doing mm-hmm. for the past like eight to ten years yeah. then what are we why are why, why are we even tr- trying to do here <laughs> yeah, I feel you I felt that <laughs> there has to be a direction of, of what we want to become or what we want to achieve and you know it's a paradox like once you hit to a certain level that's when you try to figure out a more higher mission right I think the mission when we started was all right just to survive yeah. and then the next mission was like all right we got clients we can slightly survive now we start to get to to really drill down on like um what do we want to do what do we want to make out of this and one of the things we realized we really have this uh unfair advantage of working with startups mainly because we both work in a venture in a startup foundry before uh, at FIM. And a lot of the events that we've organized or even attended are startup related, like startup weekends. Um, And I think with that alignment, we decided, all right, so how about we focus more into this niche, into this market? And this is the market. These are the people we talk with that excites us. We had our fair share of working with corporate and oh, yep. it, it was all right, but I would say it wasn't just the right fit for us. Mm-mm. So we decided like, all right, let's uh, say no to these kinds of people. Let's say yes to these kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And by building expertise in a specific niche, uh, people or clients tend to choose us over other agencies wherein they're just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And we're here like laser firing in a specific niche. And if you're in that niche, we're most likely to to win that like that that space. So amazing. That's how we we that's amazing came along with that. Yeah. So if you don't have an NDA, I wonder, would you be able to share which projects you're working on <laughs> or which oh, yeah. startups you're working with? Sure, sure. Um I think there's a lot, but most notably, <laughs> there's a lot. I, <laughs> oh, <wow>. right? <laughs> uh, I mean, since way back, your favorites like, go. <laughs> my favorites would be from uh, Rocket Internet. I've worked, we've worked with Spenmo. 
which is basically a spend management fintech platform. They're based in Singapore. And I met with a founder. He's an ex-grabber. Uh, his name is Mo. And we flew to Manila to meet up with him. And then from that point on, we did a design sprint for his product. And then iteratively created um, some MVPs with them. And yeah, collaborated with their tech team as well. Um, another favorite would be with Slash Coffee. So um, they're also from, they're also backed by Rocket. Um, I met with David Grenier. Uh, he's the uh, ex CMO of Food, Band, Food Band in Asia Pacific. And wow. yeah, he's a super smart guy. So we flew to Jakarta. That's where his headquarters are. For, that's where his headquarters is. Uh, with his team and we went there do a design sprint and most and very interestingly uh, this was the time when the pan- when when um, the pandemic was on the rise like uh, it was starting to spread we didn't really take it seriously I think in the so that was start of year last year exactly start of year last year it was crazy Gosh. so we thought it wasn't really a big deal Mm-mm. But when we was, arrived, who would have thought, right? <laughs> yeah, who would who would have thought? I think it became super real. And after that, actually, we were scheduled to have a separate sprint in Singapore for a prop tech startup as well. Uh, that was also yeah, I think it was also backed by Rocket or some other VC. But we had to cancel it because the airports are closing in in the Philippines. So basically we can't fly back. Like the borders were closing and we were in panic mode. Like, when was all right, you, were, you were in Manila that yeah. time. Was this March? In Jakarta. We were in Jakarta that time. Oh, you were? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we were almost get. We almost were you got stuck? <laughs> almost. <laughs> oh, gosh. Think, yeah, it was crazy. And we're like, dude, like, should we proceed to the spring? Or maybe we should just go <laughs> before our country's border would close, uh, close on us. And it was so real. Like our flights were getting canceled, and like we we had to cancel the sprint that we were that we were about to do, and we were figuring things out how to go back to go back home. First, mm-hmm. uh, the first set of flights that I booked got canceled again, and oh we were like panic, like oh my god, what are we gonna do here? <laughs> so, I, can I think luckily. I was able to contact, like, I, I, I know one of the designers working for some airlines and I was, you know, just asking for some information. Dude, what's the best course of action I, I, should, be, <laughs> I should be doing right now? And he was, uh, he recommended me, like, try to book for AirAsia. I think they have a last flight. And so when I checked, they have the last flight going back to Cebu. But after that, Cebu's no airport is closed. So that was like, okay, either I'm we have lucky. to make it or... <laughs> <laughs> so you got lucky. trapped here exactly we got lucky and oh yeah that, that was when the lockdown happened in Cebu and like everything was just everything changed overnight like mm. we were just expecting to go back in the office and like hang out with everyone and you know overnight everyone just worked remotely <laughs> we didn't have an office but yeah it was crazy very crazy story but now everyone's back on track, right? You're you're back in the office. Is your team back back at work? Uh, not necessarily. So, uh, it, it's super risky, and I, I I think it's the health and safety of everyone. You really mm-hmm. want to prioritize first. Although there are very good safety precautions placed within the building, like 
there's this thermal scanner and when you come in mm-hmm. there's this uh disinfecting mist that goes into you mm-hmm. like in a small they still do that device. now <laughs> yeah they still do that. really i yeah. thought they canceled that right because they said like uh, the misting or something doesn't work I'm not sure. I th- yeah, I think because like there were like I think like there were um, institutions that had that in place, and then you know how DOH is. It's like, like you know, revised doc final. It's like I think that's how they decide on their um, memos. Like mm. they have, um, they keep revising. Like initially they said misting would be okay, and the following it, they said it's not okay. So that's why, um, that's why I think we're yeah. asking why you left. <laughs> Yeah. And, Interesting. Yeah, and right now um we operate on a hybrid model wherein mm-hmm. other people really get like cabin sick just working alone mm-hmm. for such a long time in a room and yeah. you know they, they miss that human connection. Like they, they just want to see people. I mean that's just it. Just seeing people. <laughs> so of course why we come here every open. day uh, every Friday <laughs> just to see people. <laughs> yeah. So we open the office um, to everyone. Every Friday, uh, mm. people can come in, actually. Yeah. But nice. mm. usually, it's just me and George in the office. Mm. And so you decided just... to keep your office friends. You didn't like, you know, like um, a lot of companies decided to cancel lease. Yeah, yeah. So you decided we to tried. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we tried. Initially, we tried. Uh, we tried to negotiate <laughs> the rates because uh, we didn't use it for like a couple of months. And, yeah, exactly. You know, we're we're bounded to the contract, so it's it's hard to get away from that. The most that we can do was to, uh, as a bargain for it. So at least uh, we have that, and mm-hmm. we just try to utilize it as much as we can. Um, sometimes when we have in-person sprints, uh, we invite them to the office. Do that sometimes when we have meeting with clients, and you know they want a safe space, mm-hmm. uh, not too public. And yeah, yeah. The office is a much more safer option for that. So, yeah. I have a question, George. I sorry, George Francis. <laughs> I was thinking about George in the office because he posts on Facebook, right? Like I saw him post about like where are where's my staff, where's my team. He's the only one in the office. I always see him post things like that. So yeah, got yeah. super confused. But anyway, I have a I have a question. Like. Okay, like I have a startup idea. Like you in the startup space, you're working with venture capitalists. They have these startups backed by them. Um, let's say uh, we have an idea, and the first thing that you have to do, they say, is you know get get the branding pinned down. Like you have an idea, get the branding pinned down. Is that really the first step that you should do? Should we start with design with the design? How is it? How how how, how do you do that? What's the process usually? Yeah. So, so in terms of priority, I think branding is not really like it's good, but not super impactful mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, basically, you're running on a limited runway, and I think one of the most important things that you can do is look for a source of funding. If you basically starting funding. a startup, starting a mm-hmm. business, and you need to figure out: uh, Are you going to self-fund this? Are you going to go bootstrap, or are you going right. to sell equity to a VC firm in exchange for seed funding? And you know, right. expensive. Mm-hmm. It's too much risk. Um, I haven't met a lot of people who self-fund, who was able to expand right away, mainly because they got um, they got burned on the burn rate that they have, which oh. gives them a super limited runway. So a lot of people that I meet, they are usually venture-backed. 
And then one yeah. of the things that we need that you need to figure out is who to raise to. There's a lot of VC firms, um, depending on, I'm not sure with what the terms are exactly, uh, how much equity or how good your idea is, how much they're willing to um, feed you. But after that, I think the most important part is to actually execute on the actual product. Like, the MVP, um, right? Exactly, the MVP. Because you're going to have to do some validation on that. And the quickest way to do a validation without building a product is through a design sprint. So basically, we're simulating the app. We design mm. their actual screens. And then we figure out the sprint question of what is the actual thing that we're trying to validate here? So mm. for instance, uh, one of the things that we try to validate, for example, um, do can people... Um, for example, you, you, you have an idea wherein there's an app that would, this is a true story as well. This is a true app. So you have this idea wherein it would teach you where to let your dog poop in the area. Like there are safe spaces okay. for dogs to poop. It's crazy, but this is a real startup idea. Safe we, space we, for we, pooping. Yeah, 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 for dogs. Or, for dogs. Uh, this, this was in New Zealand. So it was funny. And like, um, they... It, it's uh people are like all right all right uh is it helpful probably but you need to validate <laughs> it so we need to create quickly create a product i like that probably like Fraza, I, yeah. I, I like how you said like you did outwardly say no so you just had okay probably which is a very polite way of saying <laughs> not really <laughs> i mean exactly like a lot of crazy ideas come from these types of ideas like mm. we don't know what we don't know so i think the best right. way to do it is to validate it to so, validate um, yeah Get, get something in front of, of people um, and then test it. Get some feedback. If, you're, if you get the desired feedback that you're looking for, is it, if it does not validate like the core business model that you have, then there's something seriously wrong that needs to change. Rather than get fixated on adding features, changing, right, incrementally changing the product, yeah. oh. that doesn't help it. You need to go to the fundamental part of actually figuring out the thing that's wrong. And that is the business model of yeah. how the product would work or how you make money out of it. Mm-mm. And once you're able to have that initial MVP, yeah. that's when you start improving or iterating on it. And mm. yeah, I think next the next set of metrics for these uh, startups would be to raise a Series A and usually mm. that the part wherein their revenue generating their business model works mm, and yeah. they're trying to raise more because they just want to hit metrics of how much people they want to reach how much revenue they want to reach and they need this amount of money so they can expand operations right so, and the designs yeah. that you do for the design sprints just to test or validate a certain idea um these are high fidelity designs right like exactly um, you mock them up and then it's mm-hmm. really usable on mobile am i right mm-hmm. Yep, in one week. We do that in one week. Just one week, you can produce something <laughs> to show to like potential users. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I mean, you wow. don't, you don't, you don't need to. The, the trick is, you don't need to design every edge case or every specific state. Um, huh. Since you're testing for uh, for the happy path, so that's the part that you need to mm. prototype, so you can get the best insights. It's like um, putting in the amount of effort for the right amount of insight. Uh, you can't spend so much time creating 
perfecting everything and then when you put it in front of your customers uh it doesn't work and you've already spent this amount of effort so you need to spend the right amount of effort for the right amount of insights that you want to get oh that's a lot of design and data right yeah How do so, how do they usually validate this, Francis? Like once once you're done with the design, do they roll it out for marketing? Like how how's the validation? Do they have like a set of customers or or testers? I don't know what they they use now, but some people, some would say, I need testers or mm-hmm. I need uh, like a set of like alpha testers or users to be able to test out the product too. Yeah, I mean, usually when we finish design, when we do the design sprint and the initial um, results are good. There are some set of recommendations that we can do. So mm. this could vary from um, reiterating a certain feature or focusing on a different business model or changing the whole product like, or just continuing what we're doing or mm. course correcting. And that's really up to the founder. Uh, we just give them these recommendations right. and insights we get from the testing. And usually what happens You can, at this point, you can do basic usability usability testing. But what you're really testing is the business model. Uh, is business this model. some? Yeah, exactly. Is this a product that people would actually need? Is this a product that people would actually want? Pay for? It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a product that people would actually want to pay for? Will they use it? And before, mm-hmm. I think this is a very uh, basic um, foundation you need to figure out before you start. Thinking about okay, what should be our branding? Okay, um, <laughs> how do we improve the the delightfulness of the experience of our app or whatever? So that come that comes after. Exactly. <laughs> okay, Francis, and, I, we have very limited time with you, and I'm sad because <laughs> I know <laughs> with Musconi we have we can talk like forever. <laughs> I guess <laughs> we have to start like okay, laser focus. <laughs> Keep Francis on his toes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, let's talk about communities, Francis. Like, where does community mm-hmm. come in in the work that you do or with your team? Yeah, I think it's super important because we're operating in a knowledge base, and you you want to work with as not just the smart people, but with the right people. Right. And mm-hmm. I think I haven't been super active in organizing like big scale. I like how you said events. that. Like not the smart people, but the right people, Franz. Because like, take note of that. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> like you, you like everybody's like, you know, there's always this like oft repeated quote that says, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in yeah. the wrong room. Yeah. But what people don't understand is somebody might be super smart or might be the smartest person in the room, but that's not the right person for you to work with. And exactly. like, thank you for pointing that out because yeah, it's not just ha- it's not about having you know cutting edge or the smartest talents in a group, but does that person work well with everybody in the group? So uh, exactly. I, I think that's what people don't seem to understand. And then I love how you mentioned that uh, you know your tech enabling um, companies. Because that's what we need right now. Um, for the longest time, people have denied, like, yeah, we're fine. And then the pandemic, you know, the biggest and best um, chief digital officer ever. Because <laughs> everybody was forced to um, go digital. So, um, yeah, like a company like Abstract helping everyone like go digital. That is um, amazing what you're doing. Because I think like 
with what you're doing, you're giving um, companies not just a longer runway to survive, but the ability to pivot. So it's, uh, it's amazing what you're doing. Thank, thank you, Connie. That was so kind. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so going back, I, I haven't been super active in organizing this, but a lot of um, events for the community. And the way that it ties in with our industry is that talent is is limited. Like I would say, I, I can. It's really, it's really limited. And a lot of talented people. It's so hard to find talented people, let alone the the right people, right? Yeah. So we, we meet this like-minded people usually in these events, in these meetups. Like, um, the, they're they're hungry. They're they're passionate. Like they they wanna. They want to know more about this space, but they just don't have the, the right mentorship or the right guidance, like what to read, who to follow, what to do. But they have this interest. They have this, they have this curiosity. And what you can actually do is take this curiosity for, with them and like fan it, make it to a flame. And that's how we actually make or generate very talented people here like locally Mm-mm. um a lot of people would look like outside for like really good talent but it's actually here Mm-mm. um a lot of people probably like you know fly to manila because you know that's where everyone is but ever since the pandemic everyone's remote there's so many talented people i've worked with in different places like in pohol in davao like in uh iloilo so it's crazy. It, it, they're everywhere. And yeah, I mean, me not being able to organize these events, uh, I think I, I was just so busy like building abstract. So I just left it to the other people <laughs> who are still there in the scene. But, but you know, are you I, back? I, to... <laughs> no, I just tried to. I know you have your now. clubhouse, right? <laughs> yeah, I, really I, have, really... yeah, I will have to follow up with Globe. I need my. Apple phone mm-hmm. now. <laughs> I can't go on the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't initially organize clubhouse. So there's these two guys, uh, Mira Mark Diaz and Jelvin Basse. Um, they're the guys who really like pushed hard on this. So I just chime in, like talk with them occasionally um, when they're bored. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> They wanted to do something else because, of course, like social interaction is gone. There's no meetups. Um, watching conferences online on the laptop is it's kind of like one way. It's so different when you're in, in a conference because you have like different people and you can talk to them right away and like and no snacks. Uh, you, yeah, no, yeah, no snacks. <laughs> 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 snacks super important. Yeah, so. Yeah, we, we just try our best to do uh, whatever it is we can to empower the community. I think one of the people, one of the organizations that are that's doing a really good job right now, are these um, developer student clubs in different. Um, this, this is actually a program from Google headed by Shadroy, so they're happening in different schools and different colleges, and I from time to time I just pitch in some of my time to like help and mentor give talks to the students so right yeah i mean that that was how we yeah yeah. so yeah i think we have to wrap up because i know you're in a hurry (laughs) yeah but 
on like yeah. on a, a two hour meeting. <laughs> Yeah, before we let him go, uh, Francis, do you have like uh, final words or like phrase, phrase, <laughs> final words for the design and the communities that you work with? Hmm. All right. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of the things that I realized that design wasn't, isn't really as valued as it was like a couple of years ago. Like they don't have a seat on the board I that, don't is, have, that is true and people yeah. constantly ask for free design they don't understand how important design is it's annoying <laughs> yeah but but aside from that it's the notion that design really doesn't have a seat at at the table like um there's tech there's marketing there's of course uh sales and operations but now that design is having a seat in this boardroom. Like you can see a lot of companies uh, being design driven, like companies like Airbnb, mm -hmm. uh, companies like Google. And you can see like how impactful it is to their organization. I think now, like is it, if you're a designer right now or you're on your way to become a designer, I think now is really one of the good times to be one. Um, we're just getting started. Like, design is super influential with how uh, technology evolves and how technology um, integrates with us um, in our daily lives because you still need that um, you still need design because it's the thin layer that connects complexity and simplicity in technology like before you need to op you need to understand how to operate like this huge complicated computers now you basically have a computer in your mm -hmm. pocket and giving people being inclusive on how how everyone can use it to improve their life i think that is very impactful work for a designer so yeah great <laughs> So Francis, thank you so much for being our wonderful guest this afternoon. I learned so much from you. Super. Right? Miss Coney, <laughs> thank you also for being our awesome co-host today. Anytime. And for this season, of course. Thank you to our sponsors, 30 Media, Aleph Talent Solutions, Grow Libro, Content Dash that app, and to our podcast partner, the company, use the code FLAIRE, F-L-E-I-R-E, for your free four hours trial on their regular day. So do visit them. You have a wonderful place. It will save you from trouble looking for another one. <laughs> and thank you so much to, especially to you, our listeners and our viewers. Till next episode of Wicked Thoughts. Thank you so much and have a good day. Bye, guys. See you next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> that wraps up this episode from Wicked Thoughts. Make sure to subscribe and join the host on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flare. That's patreon slash F-L-E-I-R-E for exclusive content. Tune in for more Wicked Conversations right here at Wicked Thoughts.